0: Hey, happy October. Let's be real listeners. This is Erica. I am back. I've been in and out a little bit, but excited to be back in the groove of things. You know, fall gives us structure, gives us schedules, calendars, kids back in school. Does anybody else thrive on structure? I have been lacking structure and it's been up and down and all over the place. We just finished our third annual Let's Be Real Women's Retreat in Williams Bay, Wisconsin. Already planning and setting dates and looking ahead to do it again next year. So, if you weren't able to join us this fall, think and plan ahead for next fall. It's usually end of September, early October. It's a hard time of the year. I totally understand. It's always hard to get away. So, you almost have to just like plan way ahead, commit and be like, no, I am going. And you might miss stuff back at home. That is the hard part about a women's retreat to get away, to kind of reset, to refresh to worship, to just kind of focus doesn't mean you have to give up the focus of other things, which is so hard sometimes when you've got stuff going on back at home. There has been chatter about possibly having a women's retreat, -retreat? (laughs) non-retreat, like non-structured, low activity, just a time to get away. I've heard people say, I just need a retreat to read. I just want to read my book. Can we just get together to do that? or to take a nap, or to just spend time together, or to catch up on your calendar, or paying bills, and just bring stuff that you want to work on, if you want to write, if you want to journal, just to set aside a weekend for yourself to get caught up, or not get caught up on anything. There was an idea tossed around like we could have The Chosen playing. So it could be binged watched all three seasons hopefully by then. Maybe this winter. I'm thinking end of January, February. Now the weather isn't amazing, of course, but it's also very cozy then when you're stuck inside sitting around a fire. And it really is the easiest time to get away from many people because there's not a lot going on. So keep that in the back of your mind too. So this year at the retreat, we talked about discipleship. We're going to walk through those sessions. For those of you who weren't able to join us, I'm going to go through probably in three separate podcast episodes, kind of what we talked about. Today, this is just a very brief overview and intro that we gave into the weekend and into discipleship. And it's going to come across a little weird because I'm going to introduce something to you that you might not have ever heard of or thought about Or maybe just not ever really called this name. But first, before we get into that, I want you to think about the word discipleship. Like, what does that actually mean to you? Or what do you think when you hear the word discipleship? Is it like lovely and flowery? And you're like, oh, it's such a wonderful thing. And I've been discipled. And I have this wonderful mentor. Like, has that been part of your experience? I think... For a lot of people, what I hear is, oh, yes, it's so important, but dot, dot, dot. I don't really have time. I don't have anybody to disciple. Nobody wants to disciple me. I'm not going to ask somebody to (laughs) disciple me. It's this great thing, but, uh, and then I've got this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do. Totally, totally get it. I think some people also hear it and are like, "Mm, no, thanks. I'll pass. Kind of scary. I don't I don't know enough. I'm not good enough to do that. Like that's not for me. That's for the older ladies to disciple the younger ladies and heads up <laughs> and FYI, there's always somebody younger than you. <laughs> and it really even has nothing to do with age. You can very much co-disciple in relationships that you're in. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. This is Jesus getting ready to head out, to go back home to his father. And he has one last thing to say to his disciples. Think about if you knew you were at the end of your life here on earth, what the last thing you would say would be. I mean, that's powerful stuff. What's on your heart that you just have to get out? And for Jesus... One of the last things that he said is to go and make disciples. It has to be important and on his heart if that is the thing that he says before he goes. And God's plan from the very beginning of time has been to use others to spread his kingdom. He uses his family, he uses each and every one of us, he uses his people, his children. He's like, hey, this is the plan. It's on you now. Not just you. You and me. We'll do it together because I'm going to send the Spirit. But this is how the gospel spreads. This is how the kingdom spreads. It's through you. Go and make disciples. And maybe we've never really thought about it, but Scripture shows us that even before the creation of the world and the creation of us humans God had a spiritual family. The Bible tells us that God had a task force of beings that carry out his decisions. It's called a number of things in, in scriptures. It's called God's assembly, the council or court. We see this multiple times in Psalm and in the book of Daniel. In Psalm 82.1, we see that God presides in the heavenly council in the assembly of the gods he gives his decision. This is an interesting verse that can really make people go, wait, what? Because I think if I tell you, hey, before the earth was created, there's heaven, God's there, and other beings, other created spiritual beings. Think angels. Think cherubim, like archangels, like lots of different spiritual beings. I don't think anybody really has a problem with that. We're like, well, yeah, of course. But to really think about, well, wait, what's going on? Why? Why? What's happening? And then to hear that, well, God uses his, his family, and this is his spiritual family, to do his work. And then it's time to create the earth and to create humans. And he's using his divine family, his spiritual family, to help do work here on earth. So we in, here in Psalm eighty-two, God presides in the heavenly council, in the assembly of gods, He gives His decision. So I want to back up to make sure that this verse isn't confusing because it has confused others. So like, wait a second, God is in a heavenly council in an assembly of the gods. What do you mean, other gods? So this is a translation thing. The Hebrew word here for gods is the word Elohim. I don't know if anybody's heard the word Elohim. But it's really kind of almost like a geographical distinctive word and distinction marker. Like if you live in the unseen spiritual world, any inhabitant of the unseen world in the spiritual world, they're considered an Elohim. In Genesis 1.1, we see the word Elohim used as God himself. In Deuteronomy 32, we see the word Elohim used to describe demons. We even see in 1 Samuel humans, after they have passed on and they're now in the afterlife, that same term Elohim can be used to describe them. So here we have God, the Most High, sitting in the council of lesser Elohim, lesser spiritual beings. In Psalm 29.1, we see that the Bible actually commands those lesser beings, those little gods, those Elohim, to worship the God of the Bible. So they are in a place of submission to the God of the Bible, the God of creation. So not to, to confuse yourself in some of these terms, but here we have now we have a divine council of we have the God of the Bible, the God of the Creator, ruling over and being worshipped by lesser gods. We'll kind of use that term. Little G gods. Elohim, spiritual being, his created Beings. He is their creator and king. We see that in Psalm 95 3. We see it in Psalm 148, 1 through 5. In Psalm 89, it says that no one in heaven is like you, Lord. None of the heavenly beings is your equal. What I love about this is that it's really showing a hierarchy that we know that, like, no, 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 God is the most high. But if you've ever heard the phrase, like, the king of kings, the lord of lords the name above all names this is why the name the elohim the god he is the god above all of those other elohim he's the elohim of elohims he is the king above all kings and the lord above all lords so when we sing these songs you are the Lord above all lords. You're the name above all names. There's a very rich and deep picture of what this means in context of the ancient Near East and the ancient Hebrew scriptures. That he is the, the Elohim of all Elohim. In 1 Kings and in 823, in Psalms 97, we see that you are feared, God, in the council of the Holy Ones. There is a structure In heaven, there is a court, there is a council where God reigns and rules. God has a divine council. That's kind of the common term, this task force of supernatural beings. The Old Testament talks about it. It talks about its structure. It talks about its beings. It's in many, many places throughout the Old Testament. This is God's heavenly family. We see this in Job 38. It tells us that they were around before God creates the earth and before God creates humanity. Scripture gives us this picture of what's really happening. And it shows us a number of instances also where the council actually participates in God's rule. First King 22, we see God declare that it's time for King Ahab to die. He has been wicked. He's like, he needs to die. And then he kind of opens it up to the council like, all right, so who among you? who is going to do this? What, is it? And what does that look like? What's are you going to do? Like he's allowing them to participate in his will and use their free will and their thought and maybe even their personalities to come up with a plan. How how crazy is that? Sometimes we're like, wait, what? And sometimes it's a little crazy to actually picture, oh, wait, God's sending, sending his angels down to do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he does. What does this have to do with discipleship? (laughs) You're probably going, she is out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And a little bit, a little bit. This has a lot to do with discipleship, and we will get there. But this is just backing up a bit, because I want to make sure that we see the whole big picture. I want us to grow, and I want us to add to our understanding of God of who he is, how we relate to him, and what our purpose here on earth is. There's an example that I've heard that, you know, scripture, God, the whole big story, you need to think of it as a huge mosaic. And we add a little bit of understanding and a little bit more and a little bit more. And each time we do, it's just a tiny new tile to the mosaic that makes the picture a little bit more clear. Every time we add more. So that is really what I want to do with this. I know you're like, hmm, discipleship, divine counsel, what in the world? We're going to get there and hope to add a few mosaic tiles to our understanding of this whole big picture. But to take anything away from this brief setup is that we get to see God in Scripture through the divine counsel. We get to see him using lesser beings to get things done. He doesn't need a divine counsel. He doesn't need us. He chooses to make use of one. He chooses to make use of us. He could do everything very easily himself, but he uses us too. And one of those ways, one of those big ways that he uses us is through those words that he said and reminds and commands before Jesus left this earth. Go and make disciples. We're going to unpack that over the next two, maybe three weeks. We are going to talk about discipleship. I'm going to have some of my friends come and join me, and we're going to have a have a discussion on what, it, what does it look like? What is it? What isn't it? And then we're going to finish up with like a big <laughs> Old Testament history lesson. I know you're already super excited, but I guarantee you I'm going to make it exciting <laughs> because it is exciting to me, and I love all of it. So keep coming back. Join the discussion on discipleship and then a little bit of an Old Testament history lesson. It'll be totally worth it. In the meantime, also, I want to put this out there, myself and a friend of mine and our husband, so the four of us, had the opportunity this last week to do a panel, speak in kind of like a question-answer panel at our church in our moms group, and the topic was defending your faith, and the opportunity was made for the women in the group to submit questions, And did they submit questions and really great ones. We only had the opportunity to answer four of them, I think, in person. We had about 30 minutes. I think we went way over. But there are so many other questions that we just could not. We do not feel like we can leave them unanswered. It would be a disservice. It wouldn't be fair. And it's really encouraging and eye-opening at the same time to be like, but look at the questions people have. So we're going to take the opportunity to have additional dialogue, myself with the guys and maybe my friend as well, to continue answering those questions. And we're going to record them here on the podcast, uh, and we'll be dropping them and sharing them to make sure we get everybody's questions answered the best that we can and the best that we know how. And if we can't, we'll offer more resources. But as soon as this discipleship series of podcasts, these three or 4 we'll start jumping into that. So if you, anybody listening, has any additional questions that you would you've always been like, "Um, hello, I have one too. One, we might cover it, but two, hit me up on social media. Ask a question on Instagram. You can DM me. You can private message me uh, through Facebook. You can even just email me through the website if you have any additional questions that you would like to add. This started out as an apologetics panel, like how do we defend our faith? What are some of those common questions and maybe misconceptions? But it has really turned into many theological questions. So, Throw anything you want out there and we will spend the next however many weeks it takes to get through all of the questions we get. And I think it's really going to be great. So keep coming back. Send us your questions. Start thinking ahead to next fall so that you can join us for the fourth annual women's retreat. Let the women retreat. What we're talking about, Mm, you'll have to wait and find out. But in the meantime, between now and then, March 4th and 5th, if gathering simulcast. It's coming. Save the date. Write it down. I'll be hosting one. Really hope you can make it. It's an awesome weekend. It's a Friday evening and all day Saturday, the 4th and 5th of March, and it is well worth the time. And maybe I will just hold you over long enough to get to next fall when we get to retreat again. Talk to you guys next week.